My neighbor, let's call him Bill, invited me to church this weekend. He's a Christian, evangelical, Bible-believing, no, I'm not kidding you type of Christian. I told him I'd think about it. Bill invites me to church every now and again. Nice guy, not particularly bright, but what do you expect? Well, I'll tell you, I have thought about it, and I have a few questions. Frankly, the more I think about it, why would I want to go to a Christian church with or without Bill, the more questions I come up with. God, we just want to stop and just acknowledge you this morning. You who are good and you who are love and you who are right and you who are just and you who are merciful. God, we're just grateful that you tell us that Jesus Christ really has paved a way for us to come directly to you, to your throne of grace. And we, we worship you this morning because your throne is one of grace. And that we can actually receive mercy and find grace to help us. And Lord, we need you today. We really do. Every one of us, we need you today. And I'm just asking my voice, but on behalf of all of us who are here, I'm just asking, would your Holy Spirit just come and flood this place, open the eyes of our hearts so that we can really see you and understand the reality of who you are and the good news that you bring us. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So why is Christianity a joke? So Westboro Baptist Church, all right? So as soon as you hear the word church, I think anyone is going to equate church, Jesus Christ, right? I mean, we got Jesus and we got church. In fact, the church is called the body of Christ. And so immediately when you have that, you have church in Christ. And we're like, wait a second, that's what Jesus is like? And then you've got Westboro Baptist Church, Right? So now you got the name Baptist in there, and probably many people would go Baptist, that means evangelical, right? I get asked that all the time, are you guys evangelical? And I always go, tell me what you mean by that, and I'll tell you if I am or not, <laughs> right? There are lots of people, there are even churches in our own valley who've gotten rid of their denominational name simply because they don't want it to be equated with behavior, of people who've used that under that denomination. In fact, I know some people who actually stopped calling themselves Christians because as soon as you would say Christian, this type of behavior was equated with that. And so instead of saying Christian, they would say, no, I'm, I'm a Christ follower. <laughs> because what happens is words get equated with experience. And then we just say, man, is Christianity a joke? And I just want to tell you, when it's judgmental, yes, yes. Christianity is a joke when it's judgmental. And if you wonder, here's what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. 
do not judge or you too will be judged. Okay, was that not clear enough? All right, so let's just close. I'm gonna actually spend 35 more minutes talking about that right there, right? Because he just makes it clear, don't judge or you're gonna be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it's gonna be measured to you. So why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in yours? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. How many of you have ever gotten something in your eye? All right, when you have something in your eye, it, it hurts. And it doesn't even matter how big it is, right? I mean, the smallest thing can get inside your eye and it immediately hurts. And any of us who've had kids, right, you'll be walking along and all of a sudden it's this blood curdling scream and they're rolling all over and you go, oh my God, what's the matter? I got something in my eye. You know, if you're a good dad, you take out a hammer and a chisel and you're like, all right, baby, I'll get that out of here, right? No, when you're a good parent, and your kid has a speck in their eye, what do you do? You grab a Kleenex, the softest thing there possibly is. You take it and you make it as small as possible, and then you go into their eye and you gently help take it out. See, I I love what Megan Phelps says. She said, no, no, notice this, right? So here she is, these people she's been op- in opposition with her whole life. She goes, and then she called them my friends on Twitter. Took the time, okay? Takes time to understand Westboro's doctrines. And in doing so, they were able to help me find inconsistencies that I'd missed my whole life. The other phrase, I don't know if you caught it. This was so interesting. She said, the line between friend and foe was becoming blurred. So when someone's trying to take something out of your eye, it might be painful, you might think they're a foe, but actually they can be a friend. So here's what's true, you guys. When you see a speck, right, and you know this is hurting them. And so if it's hurting somebody, it's in, 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 let's take it metaphorically, it's hurting people, right, from, Hello? That got weird. All right. It's hurting them from, now there's a lack of peace in their life. There's not fullness in their life. And you see that. So you want to help. But Jesus says, okay, that's fantastic. But but all you religious people, because that's who he's talking to here. He said, but all you religious people, you have a tendency, in in fact, a very strong tendency to see the speck. He goes, but you've got one of these in your eye. Here, let me help you get that out there, buddy. I I mean, and you guys, and I'm glad you all laughed because, ooh, excuse me. I'm glad you all laughed because you need to know how funny this was because this isn't even close to a plank or another word would be a beam. The term that he was using was a piece of wood that would be used to keep the roof up in your house. And so why is Jesus saying, hey, you need to understand, man, You've got a plank in your eye. Well, today, all right, very clearly, what he wants to help us see, sometimes those of us 
who claimed to know God, instead of using a Kleenex to help with the speck, you're doing a lot of damage. So today, very clearly, followers of Christ, Christians, the world thinks we're a joke, right? And one of the biggest reasons on our Facebook post page this week, more responses than ever to this issue that people have felt judged by us. And I want to tell you, that's not who we're supposed to be. I kind of had a picture in my mind of a courtroom, right? And, and you've probably already seen this in a movie or maybe even in real life when somebody is all of a sudden acquitted and there's someone sitting in the court, court in, the, in the gallery, right? And they're like, stand up and they start screaming, no, you can't do this, they're wrong and they're guilty. And I mean, if someone actually gets unruly in the courtroom, what happens? Yeah, they get escorted out. Why? Because it's not their place to make the judgment. And we need to understand that. There is a judge and it's not us. Now let me, now let me make something really clear here. When you look at the term judge, there is a wide variety of its use that we need to understand, a wide range of meaning. On this side, the word judge can simply mean to evaluate or to discern. It can simply mean you're making a judgment, right? This is good and that's bad. This is right or that's wrong. Now, it was funny to, to think about using this thing today because, um, right, my, my, I told you last week, my wife and my daughter in Swaziland, and uh, right before they left was Susie's birthday. She collects antique books, and for her birthday, she wanted a bookshelf to go all the way around the, part, the back part of our room, you know, and being the handyman that I am, which I've shared with you before, I'm taking on this task. So... I got these super cool, like, brackets, you know, to put up, and I measured them perfectly, right, from the bottom of this ledge, a half inch, each one of them. And so I get all the brackets set up, and one shelf is coming along this wall, and the other shelf is coming along this well. I get the, the pieces of wood, I put them on top, and I look, and this one's going like this, and this one's going like this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I get up and I measure them again. I go, no, they're all a half inch. I'm like, what? I go, this is so frustrating, right? I can't get it right. Well, Chad Paskett's actually down in our basement at this time, and Chad's a friend, and he, he builds stuff. So I go down, and I go, Chad, you just got a couple minutes. Will you come up here? I go, look at this. It's so wrong. I go, I can't, why? Takes out his tape measure, measures the uh, brackets, measures this one, he goes, oh, that one's seven inches, that's one seven and a half. <laughs> right there, right? He just tells me. What's he doing? He's just making a judgment. He's just telling me what's right or what's wrong. I need him to do that, right? So that when Susie doesn't, comes home, she doesn't go, yeah, thanks a lot, Dave. Great job. You know what? And so, so for some of us, we need to understand this. To make a judgment just means to evaluate. This is good, that's bad. This is right, it's wrong. Now let me say something that's really important. In our culture today, if you make an evaluation or a discernment saying that something is right or wrong, people today say, don't say that anything's wrong. If you decide to tell me that anything of my behavior is not right, everybody should be able to do whatever they wanna do. 
And if you point out that something might not be right or good in my life, then you're judging me, okay? I just wanna say, this is really important. Jesus is not forbidding that we make decisions about what's good and bad and about what's right or wrong. He actually gives us his Holy Spirit so we can start making good judgments. That's not the definition we're talking about today. That's evaluation and discernment. Over here is the attitude of punishing someone or condemning someone or holding something against them. It's the critical spirit that's inside of us, that's inside our whole country right now. And it's a problem. It's not judging the behavior. Now it's actually judging the person. And when someone is over on this side, it's no longer about helping them get their life better. It's about showing them that you're right and they're wrong. And it always has something to do with superiority. And whenever there's this type of judging, you guys, it always leads to exclusion, to separation, and to division. In fact, what did Megan say? Did you guys catch it? When she actually got out of Westboro Baptist Church, her, 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 she had one thing that she wanted to do. She wanted to what? She wanted to hide. Why? Because she knew she was going to be judged by her family, and she was going to be judged by the world all around her. See, she's going to hide. What's she going to do? She's going to separate herself. And I'm telling you, let me say it again. Ephesians 1 God has made clear to us. He has revealed the mystery of his will purposed in Christ. And it is to unite everything. And so when there's division going on, and if it's division because of judgment, God has a problem with that. And I just want to say, so as you see specks in people's eyes, when you see things that are wrong, hurting them or hurting others, do you actually go in to restore the relationship between you and them or to restore them to God or do you go in to criticize and to punish and to divide? It's a huge question. And, and I just want to say, by here's, here's a, every one of us in this room struggles with this. Can we, how many of you struggle to judge other people? Okay, okay lying is bad too, okay? <laughs> We're human, okay? Everyone struggles with this. So here's what, I want to, here's what I'm going to take us through today. Three very important things. Number one, what causes us to judge? Number two, what are the results if you do judge? And three, what's the remedy? How do we get over it? All right, let's start right here. What's the cause of judging another person? Matthew 7, 5, Jesus says this. He goes, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll, be clearly, you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You hypocrite. There's the issue right there. He goes, if you're someone who judges another person, you're a hypocrite. That's what Jesus says. That's not me, that's him. You know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite, that, that word actually came from being a stage actor. And so they, you'd have actors on stage, and they'd put on a mask. So what was this mask doing? The mask covers up who you really are, right? So you can put on this facade out here and you can cover up who you really are. And what Jesus says, he goes, every time you judge somebody else, you know what you are? You're a stage actor. Because guess what? You're screwed up. 
and you're acting like you're not. You're putting on a face of having everything together so that you can look at other people and judge them for what they're doing wrong. And he says, the cause of your judging is this. And then he says to these, and these, by the way, these are all conversations to the religious rulers. These are people who are claiming to be from God, okay? Listen, look at this in Luke 18, 9. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness, and they looked down on everyone else. This is the cause of all judging. It's when you're confident of your own righteousness. You guys, the plank, when Jesus says, hey, if you're judging, you got a speck, you, you, I'm not talking specks here, I'm, I'm talking plank. I used to think for years when I read that, I thought, okay, what he's saying to me is, okay, so great, so you see the wrong thing in other people's eyes. Do you see all the specks in your eyes? <laughs> right? Do you see all the bad things that you do? That's not what he's talking about here. What he's saying, he's, going not, he's not saying that you're necessarily, you do more bad things than the other person. The plank that's in a person's eye that judges is self-righteousness. It's when you believe that you're better than another human being. Now, here's the, here's the issue. Right? We talk about this all here all the time. We all sin, Right? How many, of you, how many of you have specks in your eyes? <laughs> okay, we've all got specks in our eyes. No, we all have specks. But when we judge, when we judge, and when we criticize, when you withhold your love, when you believe that somehow you're better or superior, okay, when, when all of a sudden you look and you go, yeah, but you sleep around, you drink too much, you vote Democrat, or you vote Republican. See, what's happening? Now, all of a sudden, we're saying, you're bad, and I'm not. I'm righteous. That's the plank. Those of you who judge others for their specs, what God, what Jesus, this is so important, what Jesus is trying to say to you, listen, you've got specs too, but you've got something way worse than your specs. Look at this thing compared to a speck. To God, when you think you're better than somebody else and you judge them, he's going, you got a huge problem. Way bigger than all these other things that we're concerned about that people are doing. Your self-righteousness is a, is a plank. Now here's, this is so important. So beware, here's what Jesus is saying. Beware all of you Christians because you are gonna have a tendency more than anybody else, a tendency, you don't have to be this, but you have a tendency to be more self-righteous than the rest of the world. Why? Look at this verse, this is fascinating. Galatians 5, 24 says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, what's he saying, by the way? This is really important to understand. When you're a Christian, Jesus Christ comes inside you through the power of his Holy Spirit and he actually crucifies in your flesh passions and desires for things that are wrong. See, this is so cool. So God comes in and he actually starts changing your heart so that you actually want to do the things that God wants you to do. That's a really good thing, right? 
man, thank you, God, that you've rescued me from this power of darkness that makes me do stuff that destroys my life and all my relationships. So we praise God for that. But look at this next verse. He goes, since you live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And then he says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, the very next verse, and this is such a bummer because this is the end of chapter 5. And usually we go, okay, chapter 5. New thought, chapter 6. When Paul was writing this letter, he didn't have chapters, okay? This is a continual thought. Listen to this continual thought. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other's brothers and sisters. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person how? With a Kleenex, that's right. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, They deceive themselves. So here's what you need to do, all of us in this room. As soon as you see a speck in someone's eyes, the Bible says, okay, be careful. Be super careful now that you've seen this, that you see something wrong in somebody else. Why? He goes, because you could get tempted. And I remember, again, for years I would read that and I'd go, okay, so if someone is an alcoholic and I want to help them out with that, I better be super careful because I might start drinking. Is that what he's saying? Or you see somebody who's super uh, struggling with finances, right? And they're, they're just going out of debt, into debt like crazy, and it's causing huge issues. And you go, okay, I better not, oh, I don't know if I want to talk to them about their finances because I might get crazy with my money. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, as soon as you see a speck in someone else's eye, you better be super careful because you're going to be tempted to what? To be conceited. This is fascinating. You're going to be tempted to be conceited. Why? Because you walk in the Spirit. I walk in the Spirit. And that can lead to you being conceited. I walk in the Spirit and you don't. I'm going to help you. Right? And how many of you have had Christians come to help you? And you're like, oh, God, no. Right? (laughs) Please. Why? He says, and here's a temptation. You're going to think that you're something when you're not. See that? If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, you're going to deceive yourselves. You know what conceit is, you guys? Conceit is excessive pride in oneself. It's self-righteousness. And then it also, it means glory without reason. The word actually means empty glory. So in other words, When you think you're good because of what you've done, God is going, okay, that is so not glorious. In fact, there's no glory in that. Because if you're a Christian, you know you're good for one reason and one reason only. And what is it? Jesus came in and changed me. Like, I was not good. And he now, and I'm still struggling to be good. But Jesus has come in. And so there's no self-conceit. So man, instead of looking at the amazing grace and the power of God, we have the tendency, and this is why he has to say, if you walk in the spirit and you see something that you want to help someone with, be super careful and don't start to think that you make yourself righteous. Because as soon as you feel that way about yourself, you're going to start judging everybody else around you. 
And then he gives two results. Can you throw back up there uh, chapter 5, the last verse in chapter 5? See what it says? Two things. Let us not become conceited. What? Two things can happen if you're conceited, if you're a judger. You provoke people. Hello? Do you guys know what that word means? It means to call forth into battle. To rise up anger or evil in another person. Is there a little bit of provoking going on around our nation right now? (laughs) What's going on? I'm right and you're wrong. Right? And we're doing this and we're judging. And as soon as you get conceited and you judge, you provoke anger in somebody else. Or the flip side is you become envious, which means what? Okay, I'm still about my self-righteous, but you're better than me. And now we see rightness in other people and we start envying them. Well, you guys, whether you're provoking anger in others because you think you're better or whether you're envying them because you think they're better, both of those things destroy relationship. Both of those things cause division. And if it's division, it is the antithesis of God. That means it's evil. And we need to see it today for what it is when you are looking down on another person. Now, here's a question. Why is self-righteousness, why is this plank, this beam in your eye such a big deal to God? Why is this so much more important than all the other sins that he calls specks? Look at this. James 4 says this. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting on judgment in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor. Now, a quick read over that passage, and I didn't get it. But digging deeper, what's he saying? He goes, every time you slander or judge another person, when you speak against them, criminate them to damage them, he says, you're actually speaking against the law and you're judging it. Now, what's he mean by that? Here's what he means. In this book of James, He calls the law, the law of love. It's the royal law of love, right? That's what when they ask Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment? What do you say? Love God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else in the law hinges, hangs on those two things. It's all about love. Jesus said, right, at the end, I give you a new commandment. What? Love each other. What he's saying is, that's the law. And if it's a law, you're supposed to follow it. But when you decide to slander somebody or when you decide to judge someone, what he's saying is you just judged the law. You determined, you made yourself the one who could determine whether you're going to love or not. You see how that works? And as soon as you elevate yourself over the law and you get to decide if you're going to love this person or not, you just trumped God! What are you doing? He says. You who are a mere human being, you just took God's place. That's why this is such a big deal to God. 
You're judging the law of love. And there's only one judge, and it's not you. So the cause of our judging is always when we have this pride, this self-righteousness that I am better and I can decide. Now, this is when it gets, I'm going to say, this is when it gets intense, as this has not been intense. Number two, this is the result of judging. This is so important because I don't think, you know, we, we just judge people all the time. We don't think it's a big deal. Look at this. Jesus says this. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So what's he saying here? This is huge. When you judge others by their behavior, then what Jesus is saying is, all right, if that's how you want to play the game, then you're going to be judged by your behavior. Okay, I don't know about you, but as soon as I hear that, I go, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> How many of you want to be judged according to your behavior? See, if you do, that's called self-righteousness. See, when you look at another person, here's the question you have to ask yourself. And, I want, and all of a sudden here are judging somebody. Here's what, here's what you have to ask yourself. When you look at another person, what are you using to judge them? Are you judging them based on their behavior? And what Jesus is saying is, if you are, then that's how I'm going to judge you. See, that's the picture of this unruly courtroom to me, right? So all of a sudden, you have the judge sitting on the throne. And, he's, and he makes an indictment on someone and sets them free and justifies them. And all of a sudden, this person gets up and goes, wait a second. They hurt me. Do you know what they do? How in the world can you forgive them? They need to pay the punishment. And the judge goes up here and he says, Okay, hold on, hold on, wait a second. Do you remember when you were on the witness stand? Do you remember when the prosecuting attorney took like two days to go through all the things you've done wrong? And do you remember looking at you and saying, you are totally guilty. I forgive you of everything you've ever done. He goes, did you forget that moment? Do you realize you're sitting in the gallery as a free person and now the freedom you were given you're going to demand that somebody else has to pay? And what Jesus is saying is, okay, if, we're, if you want to play that way, then the way you're judging is how I'm going to judge you. Now, why is this such a big deal to God? This is fascinating. Look at this, Romans chapter 2. Paul says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, and some of us in here might be going, yeah, but I just judge a little bit. <laughs> right? I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. He goes, okay, cool. At whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you... A mere human being pass judgment on them and yet do the same things. Do you think you're going to escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? 
So again, why is this a big deal to God? Because what he's saying is, as soon as you judge another person, he goes, You're, you, he goes, you are taking the place of judge which is reserved for God alone. And look what this verse said. He goes, as soon as you pass judgment on someone else, he goes, you just condemned yourself. Now, this is Romans, you guys. This is New Testament. You condemned yourself. What's he mean? He goes, because what you're doing is you're showing that you're still a moralist. You're showing that you're still basing people's value on their performance. So apparently, he goes, if you still think this way, if this is how you're going to judge other people, he goes, then you condemn yourself because of your own performance record. Because if this is how you think, if you think it's based on performance, then that includes you too. So as soon as you judge somebody, you just condemned yourself because you just showed them that you don't live by grace, man. You actually live by self-righteousness. And then he says, you show contempt for the riches of his kindness. Do you guys, so in what Jesus is saying, he goes, wait a second. Again, did you forget? Now, by the way, I'm talking to all of us Christians in here. Did you forget that the only reason you're righteous is because Jesus Christ, while he was on the cross, it says, took away all your sin, put it in his body, and God punished your sin in Christ. So that he'll never punish you. And then in return, Jesus gave you his righteousness as a gift. Where's the pride in that? Right? I mean, seriously, when you understand that, you go, oh my God, this is unbelievable. He goes, so if you're claiming that, but you're judging somebody else, he goes, you are showing contempt. This is, this is serious, man. Do you know what contempt means? To see something as worthless, beneath consideration, and you completely disregard it. If you as claim Christ, but judge others, Jesus says, you show contempt. You have totally disregarded my work on the cross. And apparently that means you have totally disregarded it for yourself. That's intense. And because you know what he says? Because that, what that means is you're showing contempt towards Christ's work in another person. I mean, especially when it's in the church. I mean, when you're judging another Christian, Jesus is like, what in the world? <laughs> like, I don't judge them at all, but you do? <laughs> Where in the world did that come from? See, guys, I have this beautiful picture. This is what happened when Jesus Christ died on the cross. It says, so, so it says God so loved who? Right, okay. No, God loved all the really good people who try hard. No, God loved the whole world. And it says when Christ died, he died for all. So here's the truth. Every human being is a slave to this self-righteousness. Everybody is trying to show that I'm good and a slave to this pride, and then we judge other people's performance, and people judge ours. And if you're good at it, then you feel proud and you think you're better than other people. If you're not good at it, I say this all the time, but it's so true, and then if you're not good at it, then you feel shame because everybody is judging you. And what happened on that day, when Jesus died, you were a slave that shackled in your heart to this. And when he died, this is my picture, everybody's prison door went, whew. 
everybody's. Everybody. Think of the person you're judging. They're wide open. The only difference is a Christian is somebody who's actually stepped out in faith into Christ to receive it. That's all. But everyone. And so Jesus says, how dare you pass judgment on another person when I've decided not to pass it on you? It's a big deal to God. So the cause is your self-righteousness. You're still thinking that you're better somehow. And the result is you will be judged based on your behavior. If I'm understanding that right, instead of the grace of Jesus. Now, so what does that mean? Because I judge, I judge too, right? We all mess up. But when you're a follower of Christ and you judge another human being, I'm telling you this, the Spirit of God is going to speak to you quickly. And what do you do? You confess it immediately. And you go, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me for judging that person. Please forgive me for pulling myself away from that person. Because see, because what, what does judging do? It always divides. It always makes us pull apart from each other instead of being like this together. So just confess it. And he says, I forgive you, man. By the way, when you were on the cross, when, um, you weren't, Jesus was. When Jesus was on the cross, even your judging was in his body. And he'll forgive you. Okay? But man, if you live as a critical person, if you are a critical person, always seeing what's wrong in everybody else and pulling yourself away in those relationships, I'm telling you, you got, it. You got to take a serious look at your heart. Okay? I'm telling you right now, you do not want to go stand before Jesus one day and go, hey, how's it going? See how good I was? You don't want one of these. You know why I think self-righteousness is such a big deal to Jesus? Because it's the only thing that keeps people out of heaven. You depending on your own righteousness means you're not relying on Jesus' righteousness on your behalf. And that's what you need is forgiveness for your sin. Okay? So that's the cause and the result. Then what's the remedy? There is a remedy. Is it, all right, you guys ready for some good news now? Okay, there is a remedy. Matthew 7, 5, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye. Take it out. First means top priority. Get rid of your plank and stop being self-righteous. So like I just said, how do you do that? You've got to do some serious self-examination. Are you living by justifying your own moral behavior? Are, or are you remembering your own sin? Do you remember what Christ has done for you? Be honest. So here's the honest thing you have to say. In whose righteousness am I trusting? Because if you're trusting in the gift of God for you, then you have to trust in the gift of God for others too. And so the remedy, you guys, is grace. It's just grace. Because Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says what? It is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can what? So that no one can? You can't boast. <laughs> See, so when you realize this is nothing, I am only good before God because of the gift of grace to me. It is a gift from God. 
See, once you realize that, now you can finally give that gift to everybody else. You can't boast if you know the grace of God. You can't do it. Because if you're boasting, you're still thinking that you're good. I know I'm like a broken record here. I'm sorry, this is so important. I'm not. I'm right before God as a gift. And so Romans 3 says this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How, who, who? Everybody. And all are justified. Who's justified? Everybody. How? Freely. By his grace. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Everybody is a prisoner. But Jesus died for everybody. So as a Christian, yes, I look out in the world and I go, oh my gosh, there's so much brokenness. Give me a Kleenex. Let me twist it. Let me very gently try to restore you back into your relationship with God. Let me try to restore our relationship. Why? Oh, because I was a sinner, man. I know. I know what it is to be against God. And I know what it is to be forgiven and to be justified freely. And once you have that, you want to give it to everybody else. You guys, if Jesus, what's it say? We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You know what redemption is? Redemption is someone... It was a term when someone was caught, let's say, as a prisoner of war. You literally are a prisoner and you can't get out. Redemption is somebody could actually pay the price to redeem you, to buy you back, and to put you in your rightful place. And Jesus paid the ransom to set you free. What did you do? Said, okay. I received it. I repented, and I went with him. If Jesus paid it all for you, you guys, we cannot demand that somebody else pay for their mistakes. We just can't do it. And I want to tell you what, man, if Christians could walk out into this world making good judgments about what's right and what's wrong, about what's good and what's bad, and if while we're making that judgment, it's like gently restoring someone with a speck in their eye. And here's the truth. You'll be able to do that as long as this guy's not in your eye. But if you still think you're better than somebody else, you're just going to cause damage. And apparently that matters way more to Jesus than all the specks. So what's our application band? Come on out. Got three things for you. Number one, while we worship and close today, the first thing you've got to do is please be honest with yourself. This is a serious spiritual issue. If it's that much bigger than all the other sins you're struggling with, then I would take care of this one, as the Bible said, first. All right? So tonight, today, right now, be honest with yourself. And here's what I believe. I believe because God is here and his word is living and active, I think God has already helped some of you see here today. You're a judger. You're a moralist. You're still judging people based on their behavior. And you're condemning yourself. 
If that's what you're hearing, then the second step is be honest with yourself. The second step is then to confess. Just confess and tell God, man, the Lord, you're right. What in the world have I been doing? By the way, I also want to say some of you aren't Christians in here. You're not. But you know you're a critical person. <laughs> you know you just, you see the negative in your wife and in your kids and your husband and your boss. And it's like the guy I sat next to at the Utes game yesterday. He saw everything that was negative and he said it. That was a lot of stuff yesterday. <laughs> and, and some of you are like that and it's killing you. Because it's killing all your relationships. I wanted to move. And people don't want to be around you because you're critical. What is your remedy? It's lay yourself down, humble yourself before God, and realize I need someone to save me from my sin. I'm no better than anybody else. And receive it. And be forgiven. And get a new spirit inside of you so that you can love everybody else. So be honest with yourself and confess. The last thing is this. If you have been judging somebody and that person, you know who it is. I'm telling you, you need to go to them immediately. You need to go to that person maybe today, this week at the latest, and just humble yourself before them and say, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I have thought that I'm better than you. And I have judged you for that. And I'm going to receive forgiveness from Christ for everything, so I'm giving you forgiveness. And I'm not going to judge you anymore. Be a peacemaker. Be a unifier through the grace that you've received and give it to somebody else, all right? So here's how we're going to do this. Um, this first song, you need, I need, we need to sing. Jesus paid it all. Just take it in, absorb it, take it in, believe it for yourself. All right? This worship time is super important to get your heart connected with his to go out of here, okay? And while we do this, we're going to take our offering. And while we take the offering, you guys, why do we do this again? Because when you've received, right? This is the value. When you've received from Christ, you just want to give. Now, here's a cool thing. God doesn't actually need any grace, right? It's not like we can give him grace. But we sure can give him our love and our heart. And one small way that you can do that is through this offering. All right? So if you come prepared to give, let's, let's take our offering. The rest of it, let's just stand and let's sing and let's worship this great God who has forgiven us and given us his grace.